What's up, guys? It is your girl, Jamae Jackson. Welcome back to the Blonde Misfit Podcast. I hope y'all are doing well. I hope y'all are out here drinking your water, putting edge control on, minding your business. And if you're not, you should go on and get with it. <laughs> but the rest of you guys, welcome, welcome, welcome. If it's your first time here, welcome to the podcast. I love newcomers. Go on and hit that subscribe button while you're here. And if you're not new, if you're an oldie but a goodie, welcome back, child. I'm so happy to see you. I'm so happy. I hope you brought a friend. If you didn't bring a friend and you're not doing the Baptist the Baptist blessing, the Baptist blessing is when you bring somebody else. You know, y'all, Have y'all ever... Um, <laughs> Like during homecoming, if you grew up Southern Baptist, you know that like you were not supposed to come to, come to homecoming and not bring a guest. So I was out here in like middle school and high school bringing like five and six of my friends. He never been to church before, but I had to do it. My mama was a deaconess. So that also makes sense. <laughs> but nonetheless, if you are an oldie or if you are new, y'all already know what I'm about to ask you. Go on and subscribe. Go on and share this podcast with your friends, your booze, your loved ones. Hell, share it with your coworker. I don't really care. Go on and share it however you feel that you would like to. And then also leave us a rating. That rating helps us. I was doing research, y'all, and it's not a gimmick. It's not just something everybody's saying. Really, it does help with searching and for people who are looking to find other dope podcasts. So go on and show you girls some love. But Now that we done gotten all of our housekeeping out of the way, let me just say I am so excited for today's episode. I have a guest. She is someone who I have been following her journey for quite a few years. I mean, media is super small. Black media is smaller. And I've been following her and I just love her. There's something about her spirit that just has always gravitated me to her and her work. And I don't really do bios here because y'all can read Y'all can find the bio. Y'all can do your research. So I want to welcome Crystal Franklin. She is over at TV One, and she's a senior producer. She also has her hands in digital and social. She's going to talk all about all her journeys, where she's from, because she's from that good old TX. But Crystal, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I really, really, really appreciate it. Thank you, man. Girl, you are so fly. I don't know why. <laughs> Thank you. Likewise, you know, I mean, I if I ever decide to to leave black, I you are the blonde inspiration. I am telling you that. Thank you so much. People trying to put respect on my name. Like, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. But then also people keep asking me, oh, Jamee, share with us the tips. I'm like, I'm not trying to have y'all's hair fall out. So, And that's why I still have black hair because mine will fall out. Plain. <laughs> Playing. <laughs> You're like, period, in quarantine with no head. Okay. <laughs> Correct. But Crystal, give us a little bit about your background. I mean, first of all, you, um, so I, I am a DC girl, born and raised. My, my family is from the South. I know you hail from the South. So tell us a little bit about your upbringing and also where you went to school. Yes, of course. So I am from the great state of Texas. Um, I'm a proud Texan. I'm from Fort Worth, the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, And I lived there my entire life with the exception of college. I'm a graduate of the Grambling State University, the best HBCU in all of HBCU land. The podcast now, because you know you're talking about Howard Howard grad right here. I know. I know. I see you speaking ill. Oh, it's okay. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, go ahead. Um, so, yes, I've, I'm a Texas, Louisiana girl. I was in um, Louisiana for four years of my life. It is literally still the best four years of my life that I've experienced. And I've graduated graduated 12 years ago, which is insane to say. Um, so I'm a, I'm a Texas girl, definitely a Louisiana, as I like to call myself, because I definitely, a lot of what I've learned, a lot of what I have experienced, a lot of what has helped me become myself today is what I learned in college. And I attribute that to not only going to Grambling, just but being a graduate of an HBCU in general. Um, so yeah, that's, that, that's me. I'm a, I'm a single, I'm a single, I'm an only child of a single, of a single mom. Um, so I was raised in a one parent household. I was a latchkey kid, which which left a lot of room to play. 
Um, and I, I do believe it is the reason why I am such a creative person. And then I am now working in a creative field um, because there was literally nothing to do, no one to talk to. I had to make up my own fun. And for me, fun was reading. It was writing. It was uh, writing books, re- researching. Um, I remember getting a set of encyclopedias for Christmas one year. And literally, I must have lost my shit. Like, I I mean, like, that's how, like, that's how much I was into, like, reading. Um, and I don't know what kid would love. I first of all, children don't even know what encyclopedias are anymore. So we might have to give a little brief little history of what an actual encyclopedia is. Um, but um, I was just so excited. And I knew then. I didn't really know what it was. But I knew and my mom knew that there was something going on with this whole reading and writing thing. Um, and she just encouraged me to live in that and figure out what it was. Um, and so I started writing very young, like literally like 10 or 11 years old, writing chapter books, mimicking my favorite chapter books, uh, Nancy Drew, Babysitter's Club, Goosebumps. Um, and so I started literally doing that on our, on our good old desktop with the, with the big booty, with the booty on the back and the dial up internet. Um, and that, and that led me into, um, writing for our yearbook in high school. Um, so I was the editor of our yearbook. Um, I was in UIL competitions for caption writing, headline writing. I promise I'm going somewhere with all of this. Um, mm-hmm. And so the, the writing just really stuck with me. Um, I remember seeing an episode of Living Single and I wanted to be like Khadijah because I always wanted to write. I just didn't know what I was going to be writing about. I knew I couldn't write about the Babysitter's Club forever. Um, and when I, lar- or when I saw that Khadijah was one an HBCU graduate and she owned her own magazine, I remember asking my mom, like, what is Howard and what is and what what is it called that she does? And she said, well, Howard is an HBCU. She told me a little bit about that. And she said, and what Khadijah does, she's a journalist. And I said, that's what I want to do. I want to go to an HBCU and I want to be a journalist. So I have Khadijah James to thank for really, really cementing my 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 interest in this crazy, crazy world of journalism, this crazy world of media and radio and TV. Um, so that's how I got started, really, honestly. Um, ended up winning several awards for, you know, we had the, one of the best yearbooks in the country. We got to fly out to Cornell University in New York and pick up our award, like just really, really cool things that I had no idea could come from a yearbook. Because for most people, yearbooks are just like a scrapbook. You know, you just take, you know, you just pose with your friends, somebody come take your picture and they put it in the yearbook. Right. But for us, it was really like more of like a journalism thing. And so we were really, really into crafting really great stories, taking really great photography and it paid off and we won awards. Um, And so when I got to Grambling in 2004, I knew that I wanted to uh, major in journalism. I knew I wanted to keep that thing going. Um, But I also knew that I wanted to also work in other facets of communications. So Mm -hmm. I knew that, yes, I know I can write. Yes, I know I can take photos, but I want to see what I can do in a different medium. Um, Because I was published at around 14. I started doing some TV in high school for the ABC affiliate in Dallas. Um, and so I was on, t- on camera hosting and, and, and being a producer long before I even know, I even knew what that was. Um, and so when I got to college, I transitioned into radio and I was the sideline reporter for the Grambling Sports Radio Network. So for four years of my life, I traveled with the football team everywhere. Um, I, I did color commentary. They would throw down to me on the sideline. This is live, you know, this is live radio on um, the Grambling uh, affiliate for ESPN Radio. So it's live radio. They're throwing down to me. I'm getting injury reports. I'm, I'm interviewing, you know, Miss Grambling. I'm the president of the university, SGA, whatever. I'm doing basically everything that you see that the big, the big, the big wigs do, you know, nowadays. And of course, I had no idea really what I was doing. I just knew that I liked to talk and I liked people. Um, and because I could write, I, that also helped. Didn't know anything about sports, but because I could write and I was a people person and I had this outlandish, colorful personality, I knew I could make it work. Um, so I did that for four years, um, and that was amazing. And I still knew that I wanted to get back in front of the camera in some way. Um, however, I did know that I needed to grow in other areas in communication. So I kept on writing for, so I graduated college in 2008. I uh, started writing for different, you know, dot coms and, and like Cocoa and Cream, Jones Magazine, Vibe Vixen, 
uh, all of those cute little magazines back in the day, those, those dot coms. Um, so I was big, I was a correspondent for them for a few years. Um, and then I transitioned. I actually transitioned into working in television um, or, or or in production, I should say, um, that first year out of college. So it was mm-hmm. 2009, 2008 when I graduated. Um, and I responded to a Craigslist posting. I got to tell you this story. I was working at my church. So I graduated broke and with no job, right? Like, in like, the middle like, of a recession, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. So I moved home May 24th, 2008, moved back to Dallas and stayed with my mama. And I would be living with her for the next seven years of my life, of my adult life, I should say that. Um, and that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother amount of pressure there. But, um, yeah, so I came home and did not have a job, went to church that next Sunday. My pastor said, Hey, work here. You can work here as a secretary until you find, you know, whatever it is you're looking for. I was like, okay, cool. No problem. So I was the secretary at my church for two years um, on my lunch break one day, I went on Craigslist. And this is this is when Craigslist was still dangerous, right? Like this was like the whole era of the Craigslist killer, and you know, people were just, you know, like it was just a weird, it was a weird thing. Um, but I would go on Craigslist faithfully. I would go on Craigslist faithfully, and I saw a posting that said, nationally syndicated radio host needs two-day help. And it was in Dallas, right? So I'm like, okay, I don't know what this is, but I'm doing it because it sounds like something that I do. And so I applied for it, um, went to lunch, came back on my lunch break, and I had an email from a publicist named Elvira Guzman. She was the publicist for the Steve Harvey Morning Show. So I began my career as a production assistant for the Steve Harvey Morning Show and the Steve Harvey Foundation for two years from a Craigslist posting. So your blessing can come through Craigslist. Okay. Okay. Oh my goodness. Like, it was is- insane. Cause my mom was like, wait, you found that on Craigslist. Are you sure this is legit? I'm like, no, my, like it's legit. He was going to be in Dallas for a two day remote. So a remote is just a live um, broadcast of the show in different cities and different markets. And so he was coming to Dallas and um, he was literally taping his show live and there was an audience. And so they needed help to put that all together. State Farm was sponsoring it. So they had all these signage, like signage and gift bags and goodie bags and all these things that needed to be filled. And so it literally was a two day gig, $150 a day. And I thought, oh God, look at me! I'm I got some money, honey. I'm rich, cause you know I'm 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 22, and I'm like, okay, I got 300 dollars out of for 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 nothing basically, cause it was so easy, right. um, and I was able to flip that two day work with Steve Harvey and his team into a year and a half contract position as a production assistant. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, because that's just too good to gloss over. How did you, because first of all, my mind is still thinking about organ harvesting Craigslist being the place okay. where your blessing was. And so I'm like, okay, I, I can process that. But how did you go? How did you, what, girl, what magic were you bringing in them two days that you turned a two day opportunity into a year, over a year worth of experience with yeah. not anybody, with Steve Harvey? Right. We're talking, I mean, you know, Steve is, you know, he is one of the greatest at what he's done at what he does. And I've worked with, uh, thankfully, I've worked with almost all of the big nationally black radio hosts, with the exception of Ricky Smiley. I've done Steve Harvey, Michael Baisden and Tom Jorner. And of course, we'll get to my 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 love affair, my career, affair, you know what I've done with Tom and a few. But I honestly went into that position, it, that situation, just being completely honest about what I needed. Right. So I was the girl that was supposed to, you know, pull up the big pop up signs with with State Farm on them and sit them on every three you know, rows in the big theater in Dallas. And I was supposed to man the tables outside and make sure all of the, you know, everyone that came in got a goodie bag, like really simple elementary type stuff. Right. So but when I did that, I moseyed my way backstage on the stage um, where they were setting up for, for the radio show the day prior and anybody that looked like they were in charge. I paid attention to who Steve called on the most and whoever he called on the most from his, from his staff. That's who I started following around and asking questions. 
So I was like, okay, I don't know who this lady is, but he's, he's always asking for her. Let me go introduce (laughs) myself to her. And and I don't know who, yes, honey. Because I mean, this thing, you have nothing, when you are, I was desperate. I mean, I had nothing to lose. I had a degree. I had an internship in LA that I did in 2007. I worked the NBA All-Star Game as a production assistant in 2008 when it was in New Orleans, spring 2008. So I literally didn't have anything to lose. Like I knew I had a little bit of experience and, and a degree, but that was it. And I knew that I had to be bold in my approach. And I was not afraid of walking up to someone and saying, Hey, how you doing? Can I, can I, can I follow you around all day? And essentially that's what I did. And so I met the key people that worked with him. Um, and it turned into a, on the second day, it turned into a, hey, we're doing the Hoodie Awards. They're, they were called the Hoodie Awards back then. Now they're the Neighborhood Awards. Um, but he, um, James Camacho, I believe, David Camacho it was his name. And he said, hey, um, I've been watching you the last two days. We're doing the Hoodie Awards in Vegas in August. Do you want to come out and, and be a PA for that? I was like, absolutely. What, what you mean? What, what, this? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, the Hoodie Awards were huge back in that day. So I'm like, yes, I know the Hoodie Awards very well. It's sponsored by Ford. Like, this is a big thing. Absolutely, I want to come. Girl, I had no idea how I was going to get to Vegas and, and where I was. I didn't know nothing about nothing. It didn't matter. I didn't know if it was paid. It did not matter. All that mattered was that I had an opportunity to go and work with Steve Harvey for eight more days a few months later. Uh, and I was like, yes, yes. So I got an email a couple days later and they were like, look, we'll take care of everything. All you have to do is get here. You will stay in the host hotel, which was the Orleans. Um, and, you know, we'll give you a per diem every day. We're also going to pay you $150 a day. Um, so all you have to do is get here. I said, and I will be there. Pumpkin. Right. I'll right. be there. I don't know how I'm gonna get there, but I'm gonna be there. Um, and so thank God for my for my family. My uncle gave me his miles and was just like, here, look, take my miles, you can have them, go fly free to Vegas. And that was the most incredible eight days of my career at the time. It was just insane. And that I that was literally the first time where I worked around celebrities in that ma- in that that magnitude, you know, because you're you're getting people from their cars to the red carpet to their seats in the theater. And I was doing that with the NBA for for All Star in 2008. But now we're talking about like a I mean, and granted, All Star is bigger than the hoodies, but we're talking more about just being more hands on and then working with people that already know who I am and kind of know what I do. So I was given a, so much responsibility, which I loved. I mean, I was building tents. I was getting coffee. I was tying shoes. I was doing whatever needed to be done to make sure that they remembered me. And they did. Wow. I mean, I really want to especially hone in on that last part about what you said, because, and you tell me if you think this is wrong, because you're a few years older than than I am, which I like a lot because I've personally am seeing a difference between how other generations before handled grinding and getting your name, getting that skin in the game versus like a social media generation and people coming out of college thinking I need to be making six figures. Like I'm not about to get nobody's coffee. I ain't about to tie no one's shoes. You were a college graduate Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you are now here with people like in, in this, in this once of a lifetime, potentially opportunity. And you were still humble enough to understand I will do whatever I have to do. Can you talk about a little bit about like, even just knowing that and having that mindset, how that has kind of like prevailed throughout your, throughout your career? Cause I'm sure even now you still paying dues to some degree. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and w- when we get to the Family Matters reunion, which is one of my favorite things that I've done while at TV One, I'll, I'll talk about what I was doing on set as a senior producer. I was ironing clothes for talent, ironing. And I'm the one that put the reunion together. You know what I mean? So when I tell you I'm, I, I don't know if I, it was never anything that I, that I taught myself to do. I just, for whatever reason, I always felt like the underdog, you know, like I'm I live in Texas. I'm not, I knew I had this big dream to work in television, work in radio, but because I was living in Texas and not in LA or New York, um, or even Atlanta was starting to kind of blossom really heavy at that time. I knew because I didn't live in the two, you know, major media markets of the world that I was going to have to 
do whatever I needed to do. So I don't think it was like a conscious decision. I just knew that, you know what, you live here with your mama, you work at your church making $7 an hour, pumpkin with a a degree, and you got, you owe Sally Mae all this money, you are already an underdog. So you better come in doing whatever, whatever you need to do. And it just, it just, when I, when I got in that space, it didn't matter what I was hired for. It didn't matter what I was supposed to do. I did everything and that. You know what I mean? Just because I wanted to be in front of the people that mattered. Now, granted, everybody matters, but when you really, really look around, you know who the decision makers are. You know who have the has the influence. And so I made sure that I was doing above and beyond and I wanted and I made sure that people knew who I was and what I wanted to do. I think what I've learned from watching this younger generation is that sometimes people are scared. Like they live by this old adage of like, if you tell people what you want, they can take it away from you. And I've never been under that, under that belief. Like I tell everybody what I want, what I want, where I want it, how I want it, because you never know who could be, who you could be talking to, whether it's on social media, whether it's in person, you don't know who has the power to connect you to someone that can help get you there. So I truly believe that what's for me is for me. So it didn't matter if you knew that I, cause I was, comp- I mean, essentially there was a hundred other PAs. So mm-hmm. it didn't matter that it, we all wanted, of course we all wanted a full-time position. I mean, that's, that was the goal um, with Steve, but I didn't care. I, I was like, look, I'm going to go and I'm going to tell y'all, I'm going to tell y'all, I want to work for y'all. And this, and I did that in Dallas, <clears throat> excuse me. I did that in Dallas at the, um, at the, at the live remote. I did it again in Vegas at the hoodie awards. I told them every single time, like, look, I'm really serious. I will move to Atlanta and I will work for you guys for whatever you pay me. And they're just like, Oh, okay, Crystal, sure. Uh huh. And I'm like, no, I'm serious. And they heard that so much. And I think that's because they knew, I don't know if they took me seriously, but because I said it so much and mixed with my work ethic, I kept getting calls for different gigs, like literally kept getting calls. So I just I just have always been under the belief that can't nobody give you nothing unless you work, especially when you're coming from a situation where you're not, you know, you're, you maybe not. Look, I wasn't dating nobody famous. I wasn't. I wouldn't. I ain't had no baby by nobody famous. I wasn't on reality TV. I like all of those things that kind of helped people in that, especially now. But back then, that kind of thing that kind of helped people get on the radar. I didn't have any of that. I was in Texas, so I knew I needed to come into every situation doing whatever, you know, with integrity, of course, um, doing whatever to get to my next whatever. I didn't even know what my next was. I just knew that, okay, I have this situation with this opportunity with Steve Harvey. Let me freak this for as long as I can. And I did that for a year and a half. I am just not going to say no to anything. Like yeah. it's just, it's just not even now, like now there, of course I can be a little more pickier now because I do have, you know, 12 years in the game. However, I will iron your your pants, boo. We don't have to wait on the PA. If we got to get you to set, we got to get you on camera. I'm plugging in the iron and I'm going to go do, do that. Hello. I, I, it's just not, it's just, I don't even have that mindset of, oh, this is beneath me. I can't be seen doing this. That's not what I do. No, I started this in 2004 in college, graduated in 2008 doing everything. So therefore, and that's, and that's another thing. You have to be able to be literally like, multifaceted within your industry, within your field, within your concentration. You can't just be, if I just stayed and focused on writing and never, ever, ever learned about producing or never even learned about hosting or never learned about how to take photos or never, like I would have been limited. I would have limited myself and Mm -hmm. girl, who knows where I would have been. But I said, okay, mass communication, this, this, this includes writing PR, uh, maybe some photography here and there, being on camera, being behind the camera, working a board, learning how to edit. I had to, I said, you know what? I'm going to just learn how to do all of this. It might not be the, um, the most amazing thing at it, but what's going to make me valuable is the fact that I come with all of these skill sets. Yes. Yes. Ooh, girl, you were dropping a word. Because Aww. one of the things that I, I know for myself is that like, well, first of all, I'm really impatient. So if I have graphics right. that I need and you can't get it to me in a time, I would just do it myself. And then I was like, well, Jamea, you might as well just start learning how to do these things of excellence. But then also like you diver- you're diversifying your portfolio and diversifying your bag. Like you said, like 
Nowadays, people have so many side hustles, side businesses, and but then even just opportunities financially for them to be able to thrive. If you just put yourself in one thing, you are limiting yourself to just that one market. And I think that um, especially moving into video and into production allowed you to see both sides of the of the business because a lot of people might not think necessarily that production is creative because you're not talent, you know, you're working with talent or you're looking at more of like the the logistics of things, but it does require a level of creativity. Absolutely. Um, and so for you, I would love to know a little bit more about, you know, after Steve, where do we go from there? Oh, girl, girl. So I, oh, child. So I, I, I worked a total of three events for Steve. So you mentioned the recession. So this, so 2008 was great for me with Steve. I worked two events, two major events. Um, And then in 2009, so for people that don't know, Steve Harvey has a mentoring weekend for boys and he's had it for over a decade. um, And everybody comes out to his ranch in Dallas and in his ranch, his ranch, like acres upon acres upon acres of land, which is incredible. Um, and I lived in Dallas my whole life and never even knew he had a ranch there. I'm sure there were ranches around, but y'all, I ain't know. So when, when I got the call to be, to be, um, a PA for the Steve Harvey mentoring weekend, it happens every father's day weekend. Um, and he literally flies out the family. You have to be, the parameters are, you have to be a, from a single mom home, single parent home, um, from a mother um and you have to be between the ages of like things like 12 and and 17 and so steve flies out the boys and their parent and their mom um to dallas and put them up in a hotel and that entire weekend you have celebrities come by they have the most amazing sponsors they give away bikes and 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 just things that little boys not little boys but you know young boys need um they do they do tie um what is it when you learn how to tie a tie? So I want to say it was um, Men's Warehouse, I believe. They respond, They were one of the sponsors and they came and had people teach them how to tie ties. They, they had a Oh, it was amazing. It's like, it's like life skills. Home Depot was a sponsor. So they came and they taught the boys how to build a spice rack. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I tell you it was like carpentry, it was career, it was uh, tying ties, uh, you know, looking your best in interviews. Steve is an avid fisher. So he there was there were a lot of lakes around the um, the, the ranch. And so he taught the boys how to fish. Uh, it was it was incredible. EA Sports was there and they had golf simulation. So, you know, most little black boys, they want to be they want to play basketball or football. But Steve mm-hmm. was like, OK, look, you can also play soccer. You can play golf. You can play you can play lacrosse. You can play whatever you want. It ain't just got to be limited to basketball and football. So EA sports came and they taught the boys how to golf with a simulator. It was just so amazing. Kmart, Kmart gave them all bikes and tennis shoes. It was just incredible. And so in that, in that perspective, that was my last event that I worked with Steve. That was in 2009, Father's Day weekend. And that was more like on the logistical side of things where I was literally driving to the airport to pick up the families and then taking them to the hotel, then driving them to the ranch. And then they're, you know, kind of managing, you know, where everything was and everything is and keeping people on schedule. Um, So there is still absolutely some creativity in logistics like you mentioned but 2009 was my last event with Steve so I go from a year a, a, a little over a year um working with Steve and now I am back at my church because you know I never quit right because I mean for what I could just you know they, it's my church they're fine so I'm back at the church as my sec- as a secretary and I'm 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 like okay I, what do I do now? Now I'm anxious. Like, okay, I got Steve Harvey under my belt. I didn't did all these great, amazing events with him. He knows who I am. Like literally we had the conversation at his property on the ranch. Like I will move to Atlanta to work for you. Like he was just like, okay, everybody says that I'll see you when I believe it. I'm like, all right, don't play with me. Like I'm, I'm the girl that will show up. So, um, I, that, that ends in 2009, I'm back at my church and I'm like, what else can I do? Like, I'm still living at home. I'm still working for $7 an hour with a college degree. What else can I do? And I will tell you, the I, the favor of God is is incredible. So I was, of course, so after Steve, I started working for those websites I mentioned earlier, Cocoa and Cream, Jubilee Magazine, Jones Magazine, Vibe Vixen, writing for them, doing some freelance stuff, not getting paid, like very free, very free, heavy on the free and the freelance, right? Heavy, heavy, discount. Heavy. 
free, free. Yes. Right. So I am now learning WordPress. Right. And I'm learning that was my first time ever doing anything with WordPress. And it's it's incredible when when you look back at your life, because all the stuff that I learned is the reason why I got hired with Tom Joyner. Like everything that I was doing with Steve and now with these websites for the free was literally in the job description for the producer position at Steve Hart or at Tom Joyner. So, yeah, I mean, and, and that was, and that's still six years later. We're not, we, we're still in 2009. We're not even in 2014. Mm-hmm. Right. So I am anxious and I get a call one day. Now, by this time I had started, I had left my church and I started working in HR. So like, this is like middle 2009. I started working in, uh, and, and I didn't intend to go into HR at all. Um, I started at a call center on the phones, on the phones. And we were doing surveys on behalf of um, health insurance companies. So if you went to your doctor and you got Cigna, uh, you use your health insurance card. We were the people that was calling to ask, you know, how was your visit on a scale of one to 10? Would you rate it, you know, highly likely that you would go back? Somewhat likely. I was that girl, right? At a call center, a year after working for Steve Harvey with a college degree. So six months into that gig, they were like, hey, you're doing great on the phones and we want to promote you to a quality assurance monitor. So now you're off the phones. You will be listening to calls and grading them and giving, you know, and coaching, coaching, you know, your colleagues. Cool. Got it. Three months after that, they were like, hey, guess what? We want you to train the employees for our company. I was like, what? And that inadvertently started a four year career in human resources. So I'm like, okay, you know what? Look, cool. I will do that. Not a big deal. I'm still trying to figure out how I can, you know, parlay and get really get really into what I want to do, you know, in entertainment. So why not keep this as a job? Obviously, I didn't have any bills, thankfully, because I was still living at home. But I knew I needed to start making a little bit more money. Um, and I was making like under $20,000, like literally like $12 an hour training people at people's companies. So anyway, so we so I do that, and so I bounce around from that company to another, so Aerotech, which is a staffing agency, the largest staffing agency in the world. I work for them as a recruiter, so I'm doing all this HR stuff for a few years, and nothing is nothing is no. I'm getting no phone calls from any of my contacts at Steve Harvey. I'm getting none. All I'm doing is writing for these people's websites, right? And then one day, I get a call at 11 p.m. from CC Counts. CC is a woman that I met. She worked for Steve and uh, she was no longer with him. Steve, he moved from Atlanta to LA. Um, so I get a call at 11 p.m. at night from CC and I hadn't talked to CC since 2009. This is probably 2012, 10, 11, somewhere around there. And she's like, Crystal, are you still in Dallas? And I was like, yeah. She was like, I need you to, I need you to work an event for me for the next three days. And I was like, uh, okay. She's like, yeah, starting tomorrow. I said, oh, okay. I said, doing what? She was like, I can't tell you. What? <laughs> I said, huh? She was just like, yeah, I can't tell you, but I just need you to be at this address that I'm about to send you tomorrow morning. So I'm like, okay, get, get, let me let me ask my mom. Like, I, I didn't know what to do. I was like, okay, let me call you right back. So I went in my mama's room. I was like, mama, Cece calls me and she's like, who is Cece? You know, black parents. Who is Cece, child? <laughs> what? Who is that? Oh, okay. All right. I said, so what do you think? And I was like, do you think I should take off the work for three days and do it? Like, is it worth it? She was just like, it's up to you. And she's like, I think it is, but it's totally up to you. I texted CC back and I said, I'm in. She sent me an address. I had no idea what this was, where I was going. The next morning I put it in my GPS and I'm like, oh, okay. I, I I know this area, but not really. I pull up to this weird gated like this gated situation. I didn't even know it was a gate because the gates were covered with grass, with foliage. So I didn't know what I was pulling up to. It was just like a fence of greenery. I pull up and this gate opens. And I'm like, and I can see the property and there's like five little mini mansions on the property. I'm like, what, what, the, what the hell is this? And, and in my city that I don't know about. And so I pull up to the, to the, to the guy, he comes up with a clipboard. He's like, yeah, can I help you? I was like, I'm meeting CC Counts here. I'm supposed to be helping her, probably in the role of a production assistant. I'm Crystal Franklin. He looks at, he looks at his clipboard, checks my name off, hands me a badge, and he was like, "Just pull up there." Uh-oh. And I was I looked at the badge, and it was for Bishop TD Jakes. It was to celebrate his anniversary for his 35th preaching anniversary. And so he was having this huge gala, this huge thing. 
um, the entire weekend, like huge, like Oprah was there, like it was huge, right, to celebrate his 35th anniversary of preaching. And I'm looking like, this is Bishop Jakes's house. And everyone knows Bishop Jakes, like he's he's huge nationally, but in the city of Dallas, I mean, you know, we love him near and dear um, because that's that's been his home for the last 30 years. And so I was hired to work Bishop Jakes's 35th preaching anniversary. And I was working with Diane Valentine, which is a huge celebrity interior designer. So what I was doing was less about talent in that perspective, but more about setting up the the, the pretty for the event. Mm-hmm. And that in, so, in, in itself was something completely different than I had ever done. But it was still it was still PA work. Right. And so I pull up and Cece is just looking at me smiling. I'm like, oh, my God. She was like, yeah, I couldn't tell you because Oprah's coming tonight. And I was like, what? Right. It was just like, yeah, we I didn't. She's like, we just you know, we just couldn't tell anybody. And I was like, girl, I, this is the woman that I, she was the first person I approached on that stage when I was working for Steve Harvey, a little white girl. And I said, hey, how you doing? You're the only white person here. I'm Crystal. I want to do what you do. First of all, what do you do? Right. <laughs> and we we formed a relationship in 2008. And three years later, she calls me when she was like, look, I knew I was coming to Dallas. I don't know anyone here. I knew you were here and I knew you do a good job. So I trusted that you would say yes. And I'm glad you did. So it's just, that just speaks to literally God putting people in your lives that you literally don't even know how they are going to influence or, or, or help or nurture and encourage you in ways. And CC has been that for me, even till this day. Um, and I just, I'm, I'm always in awe when I talk about that because I would have never thought that three years later, she would have remembered who I was. Right. And oh so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was, that was huge for me. And I mean, I'm in the room with Oprah and, and the, these huge names, Devon Franklin, Megan Good before they were married. So that was really cute. Um, and just like these really huge, huge names. And I was blown away by the level of excellence that I saw that weekend. Um, I mean, being on Bishop Jakes's property is just insanely incredible. Um, it, it was just beautiful. It was beautiful. So we do that. I'll hurry up because I know we'll, we'll, we do that. I do, I'm a PA for them. And then um, I, I'm still working at, in HR. I get a call. I don't get a call. I, I, I reach out. Now, this speaks to what we were talking about earlier, right, about just taking the chance and just going forward, especially when you know you ain't got nothing to lose. Um, so the year is 2013. We're, we're at 2013. Um, and I I knew that I wanted to get back into production really heavy, right? Because that was a, that had, it had been about two years since I had been in production after the TD Jakes event. Um, and so I'm like, look, I know I want to I wanna get back into doing this PA work. I decide to DM Stephen G. Hill, which if you work in entertainment, if you work in television, you know who Stephen G. Hill is. He was the vice president of music programming at BET. Mm-hmm. So, or excuse me, the president. And so I just got, and at this time, let me tell you something. So I had left HR, right? Because I was tired of them people. And I had went to Enterprise and started renting cars. So I am renting cars now and I'm in the management training program because it's making a little bit, it pays like $14, $15 an hour now, you know, as opposed to the $12 that I was making in HR. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, well, any little bit, any little bit of money will help, I guess, you know, a little bump. So I'm renting cars, depressed, mad, angry that this is what my life has succumbed to um, and decide to email, to DM him on Twitter um, on my lunch break. And I just said, not even DM, excuse me. I just, just I tweeted him and I said, hi, Stephen G. Hill. Hi, at Stephen G. Hill. My name is Crystal Franklin. Do you have a second? I put my phone up, go back into work. I come back after work and he replied, yes, literally a second. What is it? And let me tell you something, girl. I, I, I didn't pitch. I, I, I went into, this is before you could thread. So I had about 25 tweets responses. Hi, my name is Crystal Franklin. I'm a graduate of Grambling State University. And I, I mean, I, I was unloading them tweets and, and I needed to convince him that girl, I need, and I call everybody girl, but I needed to convince him that I needed to work for him in some capacity. It didn't matter that BT was not in Texas. It didn't matter where they was at. I needed to work for you. What are you talking about, sir? Right. And so after all 25 of those tweets, he never responded, but he sent me a DM and he said, send me your resume to Danielle Carrington. And he gave me his assistant's email address. Girl, this was June 2000. No, this was April, 2013. 
Two months later, I was in Los Angeles as a production assistant, as Stephen G. Hill's production assistant for the 2013 BET Awards. Oh my goodness. Crystal, my edges are stressed. That's why I'm so quiet. Like, y'all, I know y'all can't see us, but like my armpits are sweating. Like I just like on the edge of my seat. Like what? Yeah. And I just, and I thank God for that, that courage and that gumption. Because I don't know where it comes from. I literally don't, I don't, I don't, I think it's, I think it's natural. It has to be because I don't dig in a a different space in my body to get it it just look when I see an opportunity I'm going after it and this was this was before Twitter was like you wasn't talking to celebrities on Twitter we didn't have access like that like they weren't even really on Twitter like that in 2013 like so for me to be talking to an executive at the most popular you know cable network for black people like that was insane right and so it was just incredible and look let me tell you something I lied my ass off he was like, he was like, you live in LA? I said, yep. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. He was like, okay, because we can't, we can only pay you, you know, we can only pay you a per diem per day. We can't pay for anything else. Um, you know, oh, we'll we'll provide you a per diem for food and we'll give you a hundred dollars a day. I said, okay, great. I said, I live there, no problem. <laughs> no, no, no problem at all. And so a month, yeah, a month and a half later, I was there. I was there as his PA, which is something different than just being a PA, like for other departments. I was his production assistant. So when I tell you, girl, but let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you how, how I lost. I literally lost that opportunity and got it back within 24 hours. So, so, okay. Yeah. So remember I'm, so remember I'm working for these different websites, right? And I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm freelancing. So I applied to be a um, to be press on the carpet for one of the outlets I was working for, like three months prior, prior to me even reaching out to Steven on Twitter. I said, I reached out to the editor like, hey, if I can get us on the carpet at, at, at BET Awards, you know, would you cover my flight? She was like, of course. So I reached out as press, submitted my stuff, and I never heard back. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, maybe that maybe I'm just not, maybe I'm not what they're looking for, whatever. You know, you come up with all these different scenarios in your mind. And so I'm like, okay, well, whatever. Um, didn't happen. So when by the time Steven offered me the position, I had said yes and got on a flight to LA, like got on a plane. And I was staying with my godparents. And I was literally, I had just landed when I got the email from Danielle, which is Steve's assistant, Steven's assistant, excuse me. And she's like, oh, Crystal, um, sorry to sorry to let you know that Steven has reconsidered his offer. And I was like, what, what, what you mean? Like, I'm I'm here. Like, I had just got off the plane. The airport. Right. <laughs> and I, I just started crying. And she was just like, you know, we found out that, you know, you were you applied to be a, a, a correspondent on the carpet. And because that's a press situation, you would be working in a really, really, you know, kind of privy type role you know a really specific role where you would have to be super basically you you you'd be seeing everything and knowing everything as a PA and they basically just didn't trust the fact that you know you were pressed but now you want to do this and I lost it I was like oh my god oh my god like I'm crying like what and what do I do and literally in less than 24 hours I lost this position what do I do? Girl, I said, I, this was literally God talking through my fingertips. I sent an email and I was like, look, and I was begging, like, look, please, please give me the opportunity. I was like, look, I'll sign an NDA. Like I signed NDAs working with Steve Harvey. It's not a big deal. I will sign an NDA. Please let me, you know, let me have this opportunity. It was two days later before I got a response. And Danielle said in her email, I don't know who you are, but for you to one, get Stephen G. Hill to respond to you on Twitter and two, get him to hire you off of it. And then three, get him to rehire you after he fired you. She said, I don't know who you, she said, I don't know who you are, but you are special. She said, be at the, be at um, LA, LA, LA live tomorrow at this time. And I said, oh, dear God. Mm. Oh. Oh, dear God. Like, that was probably my first real life, I feel God, right? Because you can have, you know, sometimes we be thinking stuff, God, goosebumps, cramps, Charlie mm-hmm. horses. You know, that ain't God. That's just, you, no. you, 
You know what I mean? You didn't ate something crazy. Now you want to say it's God. I literally felt him. I felt him on me because there was no way that I and I don't know what I said. I just said I just I begged. I literally begged. Like this opportunity would mean so much to me. I get to spend a week and a half with the president of programming, the man that invented the BET Awards, the man that the man that is responsible for 106 and Park. The man like like he is the reason why we have these cultural moments to this day. Girl, so long story short, look, long, long, long story short, I ended up being a PA for him and it was the most amazing experience. That was my first uh, live production, right? Because the, the Hoodie Awards weren't live. Mentoring Weekend is not filmed, but this was a live production. BT Awards are live every year and I was allowed to help write the script. Wow. When he found out that I wrote, he was like, oh, okay, that's right. You are a little writer, aren't you? Here. He threw me like a 400 page script. Here go through this, give me some edits and bring it back tomorrow. I was sitting in rehearsals every day, closed rehearsals, open rehearsals. I I mean, it was, it was the most insane situation. And I literally attribute everything that I learned during the eight days of working with him with literally the things that I would go on to face with Steve or with Tom Joyner and now at TV one. I just don't know what to do. <laughs> And we only on 2013, child, girl. Lord. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, Crystal. I just, that is so inspiring because you you oftentimes hear of people in the industry who had that one moment, that one chance, that one special encounter. But then it was wild because you lost it. Like, you literally packed up your stuff had lied, had finessed mm-hmm. the system, mm-hmm. had gotten to LA, and then immediately had what was seemingly appeared to be a, a door closed on you. And then you did something, and then then what you did was like, you know, okay, cool, you you begged for the job, but like to know that the hand of God was over that whole entire situation, because I don't know about y'all, but People don't just get the jobs back. Like no. usually, oh, when, no. usually once they've said, "Nah, I'm good," that's it. That's it. And that's the it. and the crying, the tears, the "Oh, please let me work." That don't really work for a lot of people. So to know that something that you had said had provoked his spirit enough that he was like, "All right, cool," just shows that God is just always working. Yeah. Even when you don't think it, even when it don't feel it, you don't feel it, even when it don't seem like it, literally he's working. And I'm learning that present day, like today, like I am literally learning that he, he got all of this worked out. He has, he, he's here. He was here at TV one what long before I got here. He knew what I was going to encounter. He knew what I was going to have to face. He knew the trials and the tribulations. And he said, you know what? I'm, I'm, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. And then once you get there, it's going to hurt like hell, but it's going to grow you up. It's going it's gonna to reveal some things about yourself that you need to get together and you need to fix before I can take you to your next level. It's going to show you that, you know, some of that naivete that you have about working in this industry and working around certain people and working around certain people that look like you. <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to get you out of that naivete. That I'm, like, I mean, and he's just always working. He's working. Girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lord, uh, there's just so much to, just so much to happen. <laughs> like, just so much. One of the things that I do, I know you want to talk um, also about Tom, and I really would love to hear about that. But one of the things that I I really also want us to, to sort of hone in on is something that you said earlier. And I think this is honestly what initially had me gravitate towards you and your story as you've been very vocal on social media and in other interviews. But this idea that like things don't happen overnight Mm -hmm. and think that you come out of college, you get this one job, you get the mentor and then like by like 25, you run and shit. And that's, first of all, not, everybody's story and then even if it is you don't know what that person is is going through or doing behind the scenes one of the things that i really commended about you is in past 
um, interviews, you've talked even about your feelings with competition, with imposter syndrome, and even just finding ways to own your own space and learning like, okay, it's okay to have certain feelings, but I also know that I'm I'm called and I'm anointed to do what I do. Can you talk about uh, like throughout your career journey, how you have sort of maybe navigated those negative thoughts that you were supposed to arrive by a certain time or by a certain age or by a certain business or brand name or whatever. And like how you have continued to sort of understand that you're not on your own timing, but you're on God's timing. Yeah. I mean, that's literally a struggle of mine till this day. I mean, I'll be 34 next month. Hey, team cancer, shout out to team cancer. Uh, I'll be 34 next month. And with 12 years after college, I still feel that way. I still feel that pressure to arrive at a certain space that I have, you know, told myself is kind of the, 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 the metric for success. Right. So I've, I've dealt with that. I still deal with that. It does not go away. It's just the perspective changes. And once you learn how to pivot and emotions and pivot your perspective, I think that's how you kind of learn to navigate those, those, those dark thoughts or those impatient thoughts. Um, yeah, I was that girl. I was, I graduated at 21, moved home, had my birthday the next month. I lived at home from 22 to 28. And that is girl. Those were formative years. <laughs> right. I lived at home. So not only professionally did I feel inadequate, but as a woman, I felt inadequate. I mean, even like dating, I was just like, I've, I just to tell people I lived at home with my mom, like I was embarrassed. I didn't get my first car until I was like 23, 24 years old. Like I just didn't have the things that I thought were super important. All of my girlfriends had started getting married and having babies. So like literally I'm the only one in our group that is not married and does not have a kid. Um, so, and it's like five of us. So that in itself is pressure as well. So, you know, you get that professional pressure that you've put on yourself, mind you. And then you get this kind of this, this personal pressure from, okay, well, you don't, I don't have a career. I don't have a man and I ain't got no kids. Like I literally was so depressed for about two years. And when I say depressed, I don't want to, I don't want to romanticize that. I wasn't, I, I was a version of depressed. You know what I mean? I was, I was just sad. I was sad and I didn't think well of myself because I didn't have the job I wanted. I didn't have a husband. I didn't have nobody's kids. And those are actually all the things that have actually gotten me to where I am today. Not having no husband and not having nobody's kids. So thank the Lord. But it just, it was, I was just very, very sad. And I remember telling God one day, like, what was the point of you giving me all of this ambition? What was the point of giving me all of this courage and all of this creativity just for me to work at Enterprise? Like, what is the point? Like, I I don't know what else to do with my life. If it's not working in entertainment, I, I literally don't know what else to do with my life. I am not good at anything else. You know what I mean? Like, so why why give me this? but have me working these random jobs, have me watching everybody else do what I want to do, mm. have me living at home, have me, like, why? Like, what for? Like, why? Just why, Lord? Like, why, Jesus? Like, literally, I was just so irritated with him. I was irritated with God for, like, five years. Ooh, girl. I was, I mean, and I was, and I think it's okay to say that. I know that if you're raised in like, you know, a religious background or religious home or, you know, I, 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 I know for a fact, God respects and appreciates honesty. Ain't no point in lying to him when he already know how you feel. Right. So when I tell you I was, I was pissed, I was irritated, I was disappointed. I probably even hated him at one time. Because you have to understand, like, when you are seeing everybody else do what you want to do, or you're seeing people excel and, 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 and grow, and you still living at home with your mama at 27 years old, like, I was so annoyed. Yeah. And I, I just, I, I, so when kids say, or not kids, I don't want to call them kids, because I feel like an old woman. But when, when young people say, like, oh, I'm supposed to have this by this age, I'm like, y'all, I'm 34 and make less than $70,000 a year. And I work at a, a huge brand and I've done huge things. So your six figures that you want, you better be a doctor, a lawyer or an engineer, because over here in this field, you're going to work for probably over a decade before you even even scrape the 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 bottom or the top of what you want. Yep. 
You are not this kind of thing unless, of course, you, you, you go about it a different way. Now, there are ways, there are other ways you can, but I knew I did not, I did not want to embarrass myself or my family. So I wasn't going to be shaking no ass nowhere. I wasn't going to be getting knocked up by nobody just to be on their arm, just to be in the room. I wasn't going to, you know, sleep my way to the top. I knew what I was doing was going to take me longer because I had integrity. People think for some reason, I mean, first of all, people think media is just this big glamorous thing. I get it. People see the celebrities, they see the parties, they see Diddy. But they don't understand all of the things that are happening behind the scenes to make things happen. People also forget that a lot of media is not glam. It is hard, grunting, mind-boggling work. Yeah. You really got to just do it because you love it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. It cannot be motivated by money. It cannot be motivated by anything other than the fact that you love what you do. Because if it was motivated by money... I was working at Tom Joyner making as his digital content producer, making thirty five, thirty nine thousand dollars, thirty nine five. And at this point, I am six years removed from college. I have Michael Bazin under my belt. I have Steve Harvey under my belt. I have BET under my belt. Mm. Right. And I'm making thirty nine thousand five hundred dollars with a bachelor's degree in mass communication with a concentration in broadcasting, working for the biggest name in black radio the first black nationally syndicated radio host. He is the reason there is a Steve Harvey. He is the reason there is a Ricky Smiley. He is the reason there is a Breakfast Club. Tom Joyner is the reason that we have syndication and black folks is on it because he was the first one. That's why I always talk about money too because, and I'm very honest about what I make, how I make it, where it go, where it don't go. Because I, I feel like I, I want to be the girl that I needed growing up. And I didn't have anyone to tell me that. People talk about, oh, can you be my mentor? No, I can't mentor you because I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> I can't, I can't do, I can't offer you nothing because I'm until I feel like I, I mean, granted, you know, I can in, in in forms of knowledge, but I've done so many interviews and there's so much stuff about me and what I've done on the internet. You go listen to that, listen to all that stuff, and then come back. And if you still got questions, maybe we can talk. Oh, girl, Lord, I just, ugh. I just, I love it. I love it so much. Crystal, you have been a delight. I'm serious oh, about We're going to get some wine and we're going to come back because I know this is going to touch so many people. Please, before we go, tell everybody where they can find you at on social or any um, projects that you want us to know about. Yes. Well, I am. First of all, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I do not feel I feel honored when anybody wants to talk to me you know what I mean like I really do so thank you for one creating this platform for us um this is a for us by us situation I know I love a good fubu moment I love a good all black everything moment Uh, so thank you for being so selfless and creating this for people like me and you that need this um thank you for listening thank you for caring thank you for making me feel valued and important thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you now go follow me. I'm on the Instagram at uh at Chris Franklin TV, K-R-Y-S Franklin TV. My name is Crystal. It's not Chris. So, you know, just a little FYI. Uh, you know, because I hate when people are like, oh my God, Chris. Girl, that's just my Instagram name because somebody got Crystal Franklin TV. My name is Crystal. Um, but no, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter, same handle, and Facebook, Crystal Franklin. I don't know when this is going to air, but I think I'm going to give you a little exclusive. Ooh. I am launching a podcast. Wow. Girl, it's like been 39 million years in the making. Right. Um, I finally decided to say, you know what? You talk too much. You talk <laughs> too much about stuff and you need to just do it. Um, so I am launching the Taking Up Space, Taking Up Space podcast this month. Um, I just got my logo last night. Ooh. I am recording my final episode this weekend. And we're going to submit it out to the folks, to the Spotify's and to the, to, to the apples of the world. And um, hopefully before the end of the month, everything is out. I'm super excited. So if you guys would love to hear a little bit more about me, um, you can always follow me at Taking Up Space Pod on Instagram. And then, of course, whenever it launches, you know, listen and re-listen and listen some more and leave them reviews and, and share and all that good stuff. Oh my goodness, yes. And if it is anything like we have heard today, y'all, y'all will be in for a treat. There are not enough black po- black podcasts out there. And even if there are, 
we can we can always stand to use a lot more because guess Girl, what? It's a Wendy's, it's a McDonald's, it's the Five Guys. It's a, it's a, it's a in and out. It's, it's girl. It can be thirty. It can be a million of us. It's okay. It's okay. It's really okay. Cause guess what? You can listen to as many podcasts as you want. <laughs> exactly. exactly. But if, um, by the time this episode goes up, if the podcast is live guys, you can just check the description box down below. So you can go on and just go right on over to her podcast landing page and go on and hit that subscribe button. But Crystal, we thank you so much. We love you. Thank you. Misfit, our Grambling misfit, you know, Howard, Mm. Howard's still Supreme, but okay. Okay, we bonded for two hours, so I'll call you my my, my cousin. It's good. Okay. I take that. I take that. But awesome, guys. You guys are listening to the Blonde Misfit Podcast, and I will see you next week. <laughs>